everyone, and welcome to the Inside Out Group podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Our goal is to help you redefine your culture from the inside out. Today, you have myself, Nathan Westfall, Michael Moore, Howdy, and a special guest, Noah Heron. Hopefully, I said your last name right. I think I was good. <laughs> you got it. Nailed it. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> and I know you've been on here before too, but it's always one of those names where I always hear, right? Every time you come on the stage and then the second someone says it, it's like in one year out the other and that's how bad I am with names. So I'm glad I got it. <laughs> Nailed it, man. You killed it. Nice, nice. So Mike, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, Noah, it's good to have you on the show again. This is your second time and uh, yeah. you kind of have become... Uh, you're kind of becoming a regular here at City Church, and so <laughs> I, which I'm not opposed to at all. Uh, but hey, man, how are things? Catch us up. We're in the middle of yeah. COVID pandemic still. Um, yeah. How's life? What's going on? What's new with you since last time you were on the uh, the podcast? Man, I missed you guys, and um, it does feel like I am a City Church eFam. I'm not gonna lie. I keep up with everything going on there in Albany. I miss the. Uh, the place that you guys took me, I got a bomb burger at that restaurant we went last time. Anyways, I hope you guys are well, mm. but um, I know that New York is, at least on the news, seemed a little crazier than it is down here in the South with COVID. Um, we just moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia um, in April, right in the middle of COVID. I mean, like that was... We moved April 20th, which was still when everyone kind of thought, like, we don't know what to think, you know? Like, I know everyone still doesn't know what to think, but it was even more so in April. It was like, is this virus going to, mm -hmm. you know, kill everybody or like, you know, what, <laughs> what's, what's going on? And yeah. so when we moved here, like, people just weren't going outside. Like, they weren't, like, doing anything. Um, so that was kind of a weird time to move, but... Uh, in the process, like my wife and I have had a lot of quality time. Um, we've got to know a lot of different people one-on-one -on -one and couple-on-couple -couple at our new church here. And so that's been a huge blessing. Got to spend a lot of extra family time together. Um, yeah, COVID-19 has been a extreme challenge in ministry, but it's also been an extreme blessing in relationships, um, our marriage, friendships, all of those areas. Um, it's been a blessing in ministry too. It's just, uh, it's taken some innovation and it's been kind of tricky. I'm sure you guys know, um, exactly what I'm talking about. So it's been good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's, uh, it has definitely been blessing, a blessing, a blessing, hashtag blessing, uh, for me, I guess, in the sense of like family and get to hang out with the family and stuff like that. Yeah. It's also been good because I've got a lot of work done on my house, which uh, I'm literally in the middle of right now. So it's been it's been good. And then church wise, uh, yeah, I guess it's I don't know. Nate, do you want to take how things are going church wise? <laughs> uh, church wise is good. It's just a lot of rethinking of how you do things. So um, I wouldn't say that the church is. Uh, struggling. The only churches struggling are those that don't want to change. So yeah, it's yeah. just been a lot of a lot of change, but all for the better, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone stepped up, come to the show. You kind of see who's your core volunteers are, Absolutely. your strong volunteers, yeah. and uh, they're the ones that are help moving the church forward. Yeah. So uh, Noah, a, a church question. Um, tell us a little yeah. bit about the church that you're now serving in, what your role yeah. is, uh, and then just for everyone, are, are you guys reopen like? since COVID and what does that look like mm. for you? 
Yes, I'll start with that. We reopened in person um, the first week of June and we were open for five weeks. And then um, we saw some spikes and our mayor and some other local officials kind of made some calls. And so we've been online since the second week of July and um, we are planning on being back in person uh, two weeks from today. So I'm really excited about that. I, you know, online is a blessing. I'm thankful that we have the capabilities to do it, but I just, I miss being in person. (laughs) So um, I'm excited about that. But the church that we moved to be a part of, um, it, it's, it's called the bridge, but we're actually um, rebranding and relaunching a new vision uh, of our church, which is a, a huge reason Maddie and I came to be a part of. Um, this church. We're, we're relaunching to Neighborhood Church in two weeks. And um, nice. the vision is uh, find Jesus, be a neighbor, win the neighborhood. And so um, we're really focused on um, winning neighborhoods of people and um, really being like missional uh, hyper-locally and trying to build community um, with the people who literally live like next door um, down the street and really kind of taking a grassroots approach to ministry, which is crazy because um, my dad is the pastor of the church and I've been hearing this vision um, for two years now and seeing how COVID-19 has impacted our world and really made this type of ministry absolutely necessary. is just insane, the timing of it. Um, We're fired up about it. And yeah, super, super excited. Two weeks, neighborhood church. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That That is yeah, awesome. So nice. you do you do a little bit of everything there then. Obviously, you're helping, you know, yeah. push forward with the vision and stuff like that. Yeah. So originally, the role that we'd kind of figured out was, you know, I was, I've been doing the evangelism and traveling and um, and been doing that for a while. And I'm, I'm super passionate about that. And so my parents, they knew that, but they wanted me to come in as kind of like a a teaching pastor where I would teach like one Sunday a month. And then my primary role was going to be um, kind of leading our volunteers, leading our teams, our our volunteer uh, leaders, and really helping implement this vision like culturally. Um, But since COVID, it's been uh, been a little bit of teaching, a little bit of uh, leadership and like culture, a lot of media, um, social media, just wherever we can help just because it's been such a scramble to try to do what Nathan was talking about and innovate and um, try new things. And so uh, I call myself the try new things pastor. Because I'm always coming in with <laughs> with new new ideas for us to try. <laughs> I like it. We need one of those at our church. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, totally random. Uh, but when you hear COVID nineteen, what's the first thing that pops in your head? <laughs> okay, honestly, I think this Nate is so knows weird. where I'm going with this. So, yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't know if it's because you're wearing a a, like gaming headset right now, but I think Call of Duty, like the little acronym, like COD and COVID are so similar. I used to play Call of Duty all the time. (laughs) I think of that like when I hear COVID. Um, But man, other than that, I think chocolate chip cookies. I think I've eaten way too many (laughs) chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Oreos for me. Uh, Side note, I have been playing a lot of Call of Duty, which has been a guilty pleasure of mine that's probably turning sinful right now. Um, So, But every time I hear COVID-19 or COVID, I think of the Kenneth Copeland. uh, Was it Kenneth Copeland, Nate? The the video COVID-19. 
I don't know if you've seen it. YouTube it. I have. Okay. Yeah. That I don't know. It's just catchy. It's just like <laughs> it is catchy. And yeah. so I might get fired for that comment. Anyways, um, so I one of the things uh, one of the things you do have going on is you have a new book that's about to be released, which I know you've been working on, yeah. and you're pretty pumped up about it. Uh, so Noah, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about this book that's about to come out? Yeah. So um, I'm so fired up. It's called Viral Jesus. And uh, the subtitle is How One Man Broke the Algorithm Forever. And it's really at its core, it's a book about changing um, thoughts and desires. Uh, It really came from the book of James. And I was super convicted over quarantine with my thoughts, desires, ambitions. Um, And I read the book of James, was convicted, and uh, God put this message on my heart. And um, it's a book about changing those thoughts and desires from being about a kingdom of me, right? Going viral, getting big, whatever that looks like, not on social media per se, but it could be um, in life, success, career, all these different things and changing it to really try to live a life that goes viral in the kingdom of God. Um, My definition in the book for going viral is living in the kingdom of God on earth. And so um, it's broken into three parts uh, because going viral on social media, I think has three phases. It's the plan, the post and the share. And so there's three parts to this book. The plan is kind of your behind the scenes with Jesus, the stuff um, people might not see uh, on a daily basis. The post is kind of, hey, what happens when the plan hits you in the face? And yeah. uh, the share is uh, is how to multiply um, that plan yeah. in that post. And so I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm really honored that you guys would uh, would take the time to have this conversation with me. Yeah, dude, I'm honored that you would have uh, take the time as well. So like, so let me let me kind of pry into that a little bit more. Um, So you said that you were reading the book of James, and uh, you felt convicted in your own personal life, like what more Mm -hmm. so uh, gave you the inspiration for writing the book? And then really, I love the title viral Jesus kind of coming up with that. Mm. Like, where'd your inspiration come? Okay, well, to, to be totally honest, I got really frustrated with social media. That's where it came from. Ooh, first, hallelujahs. Right? <laughs> Me too. We'll get to that. We'll so, get to that. I mean, I, I think like everyone, everyone on some level, like, I feel like if you're not in the church, you're like, ah, social media, like comparison, all these different things. But if you are in the church, I almost feel like the real struggle that sometimes we feel with social media is like competition. And it's like, um, all these different things of like, oh, look what we did, like with our ministry and our church. And and it's not necessarily anything anybody says. It's just kind of a way that it can be seen. It kind of seems like we approach it. Right. And so um, I was struggling with getting online and feeling like it was a race, like a rat race for a platform, a rat race for a ministry that was impressive, a rat race for, um, you know, the right Instagram uh, quotes and all these different things that, you know, like I'm a part of, like I post sermon clips, I post tweets, but um, I started getting frustrated with other people. And then I read the book of James and then I started getting frustrated with me. And um, I was like, man, like, you know, it's easy to cast stones uh, with a whole bunch that could be thrown at you. Why Mm -hmm. is it that you're so frustrated with with those areas in them, but not frustrated with these areas in you. Yeah. And so I started diving down into that. And um, really what it comes down to is I, I think that there are 
a lot of us who our temptation, it's, it's for us to be um, famous on earth, right? We want to be famous on earth, but in the process of trying to be famous on earth, we become unknown in heaven. But I think that Jesus wants us to be famous in heaven so that we can be effective on earth. Like, like I want to make sure that what I'm building here on earth is something that can go with me to heaven. I want to build up treasures in eternity, treasures in, in heaven, not treasures on a platform, treasures in my career, treasures in my life, treasure, treasures um, in worldly success. I want to make sure that yeah. I'm chasing the right kind of success. Yes. So I, I absolutely love it. Nate, do you have anything? No, I, I'm okay. loving it so far. I'm okay. just taking it all in. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, Nate and I, we've had multiple conversations about like there's consumers with social media and then there's contributors. I would consider you a contributor. Um, uh, I don't know where I fall in on that line because I feel like I go through phases where like sometimes I'm really active and then other times I'm not, but, uh, yeah. at the start of COVID it was, I mean, that's all it was with so social media, social media, IG live, yeah. Facebook lives, um, yeah. doing IGTV thing. I mean, and, and man, it's a, it's a lot to keep up with it. And I'm not the most yeah. tech savvy guy. Look, I totally get yeah. it. Nate can tell you, which is why he does everything tech savvy for the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I know for me, I fell into the comparison trap and, yeah. um, and it was hard for me. And I had, I had to legit unplug where there was probably two to three months, not two to three months, two to three weeks, uh, yeah. where I just, I didn't get on. I didn't care. Uh, I would make my weekly post on Facebook, come to church or at mm. the time, join us at church online. You know, um, what yeah. would you say to pastors and leaders out there who are constantly struggling with the, uh, the comparison trap or looking at, uh, some of these larger churches who we know they don't have it all together, but um, you see their Sunday best on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, what do you say to them who are constantly struggling and feel like they will never meet up to that? Yeah, man, I, I'm so fired up about small church because uh, I came from a large church with, with the gathering where we were at our capital, uh, our, our church on Sunday mornings was a couple thousand people, which down here feels feels big. Um, and now the church that we're, we're uh, serving at is about 500 people, which feels much smaller than what we are used to. Um, and I'm fired up about small churches and small pastors because I think that this was the time we were made for. I mean, I, I think that like it was always obviously just as important as the big church. But man, right now, like we're, we have to be small. And I think right. what people are looking for right now more than any other time is like we've had this consumeristic brand of Christianity, which I'm not knocking any big church. I'm not knocking any um, big pastor. I think it's been amazing. People have come to know Jesus that never would have any other way. And I'm thankful for it. But I also am thankful that we're now shifting back to um, real relationships with church. We're shifting back to a discipleship model. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, go crowd your buildings. He said, go crowd heaven. And that happens through discipleship. And so, um, yeah. If, yeah, if you're a part of a smaller church or you're a smaller pastor, I would say, man, we need you more than ever because people no longer are okay with just watching a service online. I mean, our, our numbers here, st statistics here um, in the South are staggering how many people are not watching service online anymore. People are just, they're just done with yeah, it. They're just yeah. not, 
they're not tuning back in. And so what they need is they need a community that's going to be there for them. They need a community that's going to reach out for them. They need a community where they feel known and they feel a part of what God's doing in that community. And uh, man, it's, there's never been a more exciting time in my opinion than to be a part of a small church. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that. And uh, Nate, you obviously, you know, this cause you're on our team here at city church, but one of the, one of the things I think COVID has really taught us is like pre COVID, we knew that we needed to focus more on discipleship and building community and stuff. Yeah. Um, in the middle of COVID though, uh, it was one of those things that we saw that it was what people were craving. And there's, yeah. you know, uh, the, the restrictions have definitely been lifted here in New York, but I mean, for a while mm-hmm. it was, you can't leave your home. And then it was, mm-hmm. you can only go outside up to 10 people. If it's more than 10 people, you're going to get hit with a fine, you know? Um, yeah. and it was, it was pretty serious up here, uh, for a while, but one of the things we tried for a few weeks and I feel like, uh, was overall successful was w- we did a house church model, um, mm. up here. And we had, we had one house church the first week they had to turn people away because of the restrictions. Wow. Then they lifted the restrictions. Um, and they had like 20 people there and, and dude, what wow. was crazy? Uh, they got there, they had breakfast, they watched church online. They did their little discussion in the home. Uh, it started at 10 30 in the morning and they went until 5 PM. They literally did breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner because they hadn't seen anybody in so long. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if you want to speak to anything that we're working on Nate or. No, I think that's just kind of what we're redefining, right? So like that's part of the innovation that's going to be going forward is just um, rather than trying to see how much money, how much effort you can put into having 200, 300 people in a room, how much uh, money, resources, innovation can you put in to empower your discipleships to then be in these smaller churches, right? So rather than trying to make it uh, exciting for someone to come to a big arena, um, make it, uh, make sure that your people are empowered to go out and do it themselves in their own home. I love it. Yeah. Fires me up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really do believe, and this is, this is something I just shared with, uh, that church conference. Well, we, we recorded it for, for the conference coming up. Um, but like, I really do believe God is decentralizing the church. Uh, to empower the church, like decentralizing yeah. the organization to empower the Christians yeah. to be able to take the message and stuff. And so that's good. I'm you know, sorry. It's, we're, it's, we're rambling. We're no. here to interview you. So <laughs> <laughs> No, it, I, I'm, I'm fired up because I, I think like it's been really easy to build impressive ministries and not look like Jesus, right? Like yeah. I, I felt like the gathering, the vision or the ministry that we led for four years, it reached that place. It was impressive, but we weren't making disciples, right? It was impressive, but um, but we didn't feel like we were replicating uh, disciples the way Jesus did. And um, right. it goes along with a part of the book. I kind of talk about this um, idea of goals uh, in your career and how worldly goals lead to weak Christians. Well, in the same way, like worldly goals in the church lead to weak churches. And I feel like this decentralization part that you're you're talking about, no longer is it up to a pastor to build a strong church. Now it's up to the people in the congregation to build a strong church. And it's it's a group effort and we're going to be stronger for it. So I, I, I love it, man. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one of one of the things you state in the book is um, is that people do, and you've already kind of mentioned this. People do want to become viral or famous on Earth. You offer an alternative to that. Can you explain that? Um, you know, really modeling the life of Jesus, especially in today's world, uh, where everything for say Gen Z uh, and a lot of the millennial generation is about likes and follows. Yeah, man. It is, uh, it's really crazy the world we're living in. I, I, you know, there are a lot of messages out there on destiny right now, right? Um, I almost feel like destiny and, uh, and dreams and all these different things, it's kind of become like its own version of the prosperity gospel that was really popular, like in the 90s and the early 2000s. And, um, you know, I, 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 I don't want, Christians to grow up, I'm, I'm talking specifically about our younger Generation Z millennial Christians who came up hearing these messages yeah. to be more encapsulated with their dream than their king, right? To, to love mm. like what their calling is more than Jesus Christ. And so um, the whole book is like, hey, like this is the paradigm that you grew up in, but this is what Jesus died for. Like like this is the goal, not this. It all goes back to that goal idea. And the big goal is like, hey, don't wait to live in the kingdom of God when you die. Like live in the kingdom of God right now. Like I think that Jesus, um, there's some crazy stats. Like Jesus mentioned the kingdom of God like 137 times or something like that. It's like crazy amount for the, the amount of words that we have from him in the in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. Um, and there are so few messages preached on it because it's not it's not a sexy thing to talk about. It doesn't like fire mm -hmm. you up like talking about dreams and callings and all these things because it's not about us. Like it's yeah. it's literally yeah. like to live in the kingdom of God, you have to kill your like the the me part of you yep. and sacrifice it for the him part. And that's not sexy. Like we don't like hearing that. But if we'll do that we'll experience the fruits of the spirit. We'll experience the presence of Jesus in our lives, unlike anything we could possibly imagine. And I think this book really came out of a place of seeing so many Christians knowing that if they died tomorrow, they're going to heaven, but feeling like something was missing in their relationship with Jesus. And I think it's, it's living in the kingdom of God. It's, it's ch uh, checking those goals and saying, hey, what are my goals today? What are my goals this year? What are my goals with my life? Because if you don't have your goals right, you're not going to live in the kingdom of God. And so um, that's, man, that's it, man. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm challenged by it. And um, my wife, she's like, you know, uh, uh, one of the chapters I talk about um, goals with friendships and stuff like that, too. And um, just the other day, she's like, hey, but like, what about your book? Like, you know, like I was kind of having a rough day. She's like, what about your book? Like you talk about this. And I'm like, whoa, babe, like relax. Like you're doing the whole job. Like I need you to just just calm down. So uh, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really think that that's interesting, especially with everything that's very heightened right now in 2020. Mm. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Uh, from COVID yeah. to protests to the BLM movement to riots yeah. to uh, we've had two tropical storms in Albany, New York, and that never happens. Insane. Um, <laughs> and so and now there's aliens, right? Um, <laughs> but it was 
uh, I want to say it was like late June or early July. So we, we, I know that you guys experienced the protest and some rioting down in in the Atlanta area. And it was the same thing up here. Um, and we were just having a conversation of like, what is the response going to be to the church? Because, uh, we, we want to, we want to recognize and, uh, you know, have empathy towards the people that are experiencing the pain and absolutely, you know, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, that whole thing. Uh, but also at the same time, God is calling us to a higher standard. And so that through prayer led our church. We are, we are walking through the Sermon on the Mount and it's called kingdom culture because it's all about the kingdom of God. Uh, and we're going to do that. We started it in July. We're going to do that up until Christmas. Uh, and we're going, we're going pretty slow, but it's so, uh, so backwards from what our society tells us, you know, yeah. you must yeah. decrease so he can increase. Right. Or Matthew 10 39. I know this isn't in the sermon in the Mount, but those that live their life will lose it. Those that yeah. lose their life for my sake will gain it. That's completely opposite or, uh, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And right now everyone is, yeah. you know, they want their voice to be heard. They want, and, yeah. and, um, and I, I don't know, uh, what's your, what's your take with like the current culture, uh, and how does someone balance living in the culture that we are in today, but also living to the Lordship of Christ? Yeah. I hope man, I phrased that question correctly. No, I, I love it. Like, I, I think hearing you talk, I, I think of the word influencer, right? Which is like another kind of theme of, of the book, because like in order to make an impact on culture, what the world says is you need to be an influencer online. You need to be an influencer mm-hmm. in your sphere of, mm-hmm. of work or, or whatever. And man, it's, it's just not true. Like, and, and I can prove it to you in like five seconds. Like think of all of the influencers of the past 2000 years. At best, they are names in a history book. At worst, we don't even know their name, right? But the one person who made the biggest impact in the entire history of the world, he literally came not trying to become more. Like you said, he came trying to become less. He didn't grow up um, in, a, in a rich, wealthy family. He wasn't in politics. He wasn't um, famous for, for anything that the world would, would call you famous for. He literally made bookshelves and he mm-hmm. made friends. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. He made bookshelves and he made friends. And it's like, Hey, if you want to influence the culture that we live in, stop looking for influence and start looking for places to serve the culture yeah. that we're in. That's Not good. bowing yeah. to the culture, but saying, "Hey, look, I want to help. Hey, I want to be there for you. Hey, I want to I want to be a good neighbor and watch how God uses that and makes you an influencer far greater than anybody else that you're that you have in your mind as an influencer." I mean, I, I think like the world does such a good job of preaching this algorithm, right? This algorithm of like, you got to work harder, you got to do more, you got to make more money and yeah. if you do all those things. Like you're going to get influence and you're going to be happy. And, and it's like, how many people do we have to see commit suicide for us to believe that that's not the case? You know, how many people do we have to see fall from even in church, like pastors of massive churches who are preaching the same message with their own life of like work harder, speak more, have more followers, all these things. And then, and then falling apart. And it's like, man, no, Jesus literally wanted you to say no to things. So you could say yes to him so that he could launch you out and let you influence people. And it's just so easy. I mean, it's so easy to, to live 
the way that Jesus intended you to live one day and then fall for that same lie the next day. And so it has to be a constant renewal of our mind, a constant goal of ours to move forward in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good, man. What, um, if you don't, this is totally for me. Uh, what is your, what was your writing process? Man, I, uh, I wrote three books that I never published. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, I would get an idea. I'm like, have you guys seen up the movie up? I have, I've seen it times. once or twice. Yeah. yeah. I'm that dog who's like squirrel. Like I, that is so me. And so like I would have an idea and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to write this book. And I'd be like super pumped about it. And I'd write and I'd write and I'd be like, ah, oh, this stinks. You know, I'd get like, I'd get like three fourths <laughs> of the way done. And I just, I just didn't, I was never in love with the message. I think I really wanted to write a book, but I didn't love the message. Um, and so then quarantine hit and, you know, all this stuff going on in our world and um, really me being online more than I ever had been before is what gave me the idea for this for this message. And um, some days I would get up and I would write <laughs> a whole chapter in a day and other days I'd get up and I'd look at my computer for 15 or 20 minutes and I'd just close it. I'd be like, I can't, I can't do this today. This stinks, you know? Um, but the whole thing came together pretty, pretty quickly. I would say um, within about a month, I had every kind of idea down for a chapter, at least inspiration. And then um, it, there was another month or so of really diving in and trying to figure out a way to connect it in a way that made sense. And um, yeah, it, 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 the whole process only took about two months, but I'm also um, kind of uh, I don't know when I get an idea that I love, I'm, I'm obsessive with it. And so yeah, I, mean, I just yeah. kind of clear the, the scene to make it happen. So, um, yeah, it, it was like that, you know, waking up every day, trying to write some days, actually writing some days, not writing at all. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. man. If, uh, if people take one thing away from viral Jesus, what are the, what are your hopes that they would take away? My hope would be that it would be less about, um, career it would be less about calling and it would you know we we say that jesus is going to be our prize in heaven right this this book is specifically for followers of jesus i hope people who don't follow jesus pick it up and read it and they're interested in it they want to know more and i hope that it impacts them um for jesus but it, it was written with the follower of jesus in mind and um as followers of jesus we say jesus is our prize right like he's our prize yeah. in heaven we can't wait to get to heaven but my my biggest hope is that after reading this, people will actually look at Jesus as their prize on earth too. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Awesome, man. Awesome. And uh, last question I have, Nate, do you have anything? No, no. Fire yeah. away. Yeah. So my last question is when is it being released and where can we get it? <laughs> ah, September 14th um, is the, the launch day. And um, it's going to be available the, the first week. It'll only be available in two places. It'll be um, available on Amazon and it'll be available on my website, noahheron.org. Um, after that, there's some chances of it being in bookstores and different things like that, just depending on um, a few different things. But Amazon is kind of the, the place. It's, it's really easy on my end to do it through Amazon. I don't have to actually handle the shipping and all that stuff. So get on Amazon or go, go to noahheron.org if you want more information. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking time and, and kind of diving into this and uh, just sharing your heart. I'm excited. I'm excited to, yeah. to read it and to dig in.
Ah, thank you guys so much for real. You guys are fam. I can't wait to see you guys in person. Let's let's uh no, hopefully burgers, October. Man. In Jesus' name. <laughs> yes. Oh my yeah, gosh, I'm real. praying. I am praying. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Inside Out Crew podcast. It was great catching up with you, Noah, talking about your book. Really excited to hear about the things uh, you're doing. Uh, His website and links to the book will be in the description below. So be sure to check it out and we'll see you all next week.